0: 28K news. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. The government defends its move to strike off a primary school teacher, saying he had twisted the minds of pupils with pro-independence materials. But a lawmaker complains that the teacher was never given a chance to formally defend himself. And the health chief warns of a possible surge in COVID cases as more mystery infections are uncovered. The government has defended its unprecedented move to strike off a primary school teacher, saying he promoted twisted ideas of Hong Kong independence. Richard Pine reports. The government
1: says striking off the teacher who taught at the Alliance Primary School in Kowloon Tong was a reasonable and proportionate decision that followed a thorough probe, which found he had used pro-independence materials and imposed his ideas to twist the mind of primary school students. Education Minister Kevin Young says there's never any reason to talk about Hong Kong independence in schools, except to rule it out. The teachers could help them to understand the constitutional setup of Hong Kong and why Hong Kong independence is not possible but he insists the case won't interfere with proper teaching activities. There's not ever anything about any chilling We We don't believe in that. His bureau concluded that the teacher is no longer fit to teach in Hong Kong and that this was a case of professional misconduct. The school says the teacher has already left and will do its best to ensure the campus remains politically neutral.
0: But education sector lawmaker Ipkin Yuen said the Education Bureau was wrong to strike off the teacher without first giving him an opportunity to defend himself in person. He said they had relied on written materials which didn't give the full picture.
1: We have to observe the lessons. as I think I am quite experienced in observing lessons because I was a former College of Education lecturer and I have been observing many, many lessons and we have to look at both the lesson plan and also the actual delivering of the lessons. So we cannot ignore uh, the actual delivering and just just look at the lesson plan. This is a major mistake they have committed this time.
0: But the pro Beijing Federation of Education Workers backed the government's decision. It says the teacher acted in a deeply unprofessional manner, and deregistering him helps to protect the pupils and the reputation of the education sector as a whole. There were also mixed views among parents of pupils at the Kowloon Tong school. This parent backed the teacher.
2: I went through the worksheets last night. I don't think there's any problem with it as there isn't any premise for a pro-independence answer. But as a parent, I feel pity and regret for such a good teacher. We feel sad about that.
0: But another father said he thinks teachers should be disqualified for using improper teaching materials. In other news... The health minister Sophia Chan says she's worried about a recent rise in the number of Covid-19 cases with unknown sources, after the authorities reported three more mystery cases today. As Wendy Wong reports, she also said the government's extending its social distancing measures. The
2: health chief said the government needs more time to assess the latest COVID situation, so most existing restrictions, including a ban on gatherings of more than four people and mandatory mask wearing in all public places, would remain in place. The only relaxation is to allow team ice skating involving more than four people. Sophia Chan also warned that the local outbreak could take a turn for the worse. She pointed out that the average number of
3: cases with unknown sources has been increasing after a recent drop. In the past while, if you have noticed, among the 10 local cases, there are seven of them that there is an unknown source.
2: One of the latest patients is a 33-year-old jobless man who had a gathering with 16 relatives on Autumn Festival last Thursday. They will be put under quarantine.
0: The trial of the first man charged with secession and terrorism under the national security law is to be transferred from West Kowloon Court to the High Court. This emerged as Tongin Kit attended a hearing at West Calhoun Court today. The magistrate adjourned the case to November the 16th, when the transfer procedures will be made. The defendant did not apply for bail and was remanded in custody. In the meantime, the prosecution has also made a number of amendments to the charges he faces, including expanding the area where he allegedly incited secession to cover a broad area from the Eastern Harbour Crossing to Wan Chai. The 23-year-old is accused of displaying a flag bearing the slogan, Liberate Hong Kong on his motorcycle, before allegedly riding his vehicle into a group of police officers. You're tuned to RTHK, the time is 5 minutes past 11. A teenager who was convicted of helping to block roads during anti-government protests last November has been sentenced to at least three months at a rehabilitation centre. He was remanded in custody but his lawyers say he is planning to appeal. Candice Wong reports.
4: Chan Tong
0: Sheng was convicted at West Kowloon
4: Court last month on the strength of the color of his t-shirt. Magistrate Norton Pang had ruled that he must have helped to block an interchange in Qinyi on November the 13th last year because he was wearing black like all the other protesters on that day. The arresting officer had told the court the defendant was apprehended in the area even though police did not actually catch him committing any crime at the scene. In mitigation his lawyer noted that the teen has a clear record, did not do anything violent at the scene and no one had even claimed to have felt threatened there. But in sentencing, the magistrate says a detention order is the only appropriate punishment he should hand down as the court needs to deter
0: other people from committing similar crimes. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says Hong Kong police played no role in the high seas arrest off the coast of Guangdong of 12 SAR residents attempting to flee to Taiwan. She was responding to a report in the Apple Daily newspaper that flight tracking data shows a government flying service aircraft circling over the group's route on that morning one and a half months ago. The administration has insisted that it knew nothing about the arrest by mainland officers until five days after the event. Mrs. Lam said Hong Kong people should see the truth for themselves rather than rely on what she described as misrepresentation and wrong news. The
3: tiny faction of people have not given up any opportunity to smear the Hong Kong government, to attack the police, to fabricate this and that, and so on. I would not comment on the actual operational details, except to reinforce what the police have said, that the police has absolutely no role to play in this particular case and the detention and the subsequent investigation and perhaps likely soon will be the prosecution in accordance with the laws of the People's Republic of China.
0: Activists have held a candlelight vigil outside the Castle Peak Bay Immigration Center to mark 100 days since the start of a hunger strike by some detainees against what they describe as their indefinite d- detention. Around 30 people attended the vigil and chanted freedom now, while detainees responded from inside the facility. The CIC Concern Group says more than two dozen detainees began the protest at the end of June and seven are still refusing food. Anna Choi is a member of the Concern Group.
2: The hunger strikers and many other detainees simply want to know when they can get out of CIC. And I don't think all of them got an answer to that. So a lot of them were convinced by the authorities that they will have bail soon. And that could be a reason why they decided to stop the hunger strike. But there are medical conditions and a lot of basic hygienic conditions. Uh, The requirements are still not met.
0: Police say they believe a fatal brawl at a Chinchuchoy bar overnight was related to a dispute between triad gangs. Priscilla Ng reports.
5: A large group of people were said to have been involved in the brawl that broke out past midnight at a bar on Austin Road. Police say initial investigations suggest there was a heated argument between two groups of people believed to belong to different triad gangs, which escalated into a full-on brawl with people attacking each other with hard objects. Officers say a number of people fled the scene following the attack at around one o'clock in the morning. Four bar employees aged between 34 and 49 were injured and one, a 36-year-old man, later succumbed to serious head injuries after being taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Officers say they've classified the case as murder and wounding. They have identified a number of suspected triads said to have been involved and are in the process of tracking them down. The force added that there is no evidence to back news reports that said the brawl had started after patrons were asked to leave the bar due to the government's anti-epidemic measure requiring it to close at midnight.
0: The U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has launched a scathing attack on China at a meeting in Japan of America's regional allies. Mr. Pompeo said countries needed to protect themselves against the exploitation, corruption and coercion of the ruling Communist Party. He was speaking at a meeting involving foreign ministers from Japan, India and Australia, an informal grouping known as the Quad. Earlier, the US consulate general in Hong Kong lashed out at new restrictions on American diplomats imposed by Beijing, saying it shows the central government's disregard for diplomatic norms and past promises. Maggie Ho reports.
3: The new restrictions are the latest in a series of tit-for-tat measures imposed by American and Chinese authorities. The U.S. Consulate General issued a statement saying this retaliatory measure is not only harmful to all sides, but shows China's disregard for its own promises to the people of Hong Kong, individual freedoms and diplomatic norms. The mission also said the move points to Beijing's failure to live up to its one country, two systems commitment, saying Hong Kong has long benefited from open discourse and the free exchange of ideas. The statement notes that Washington has placed no restrictions on staff from the Hong Kong economic and trade offices in the United States and they remain free to meet with anyone without prior approval. It contrasted that with reports that SAR officials have been instructed not to engage with American diplomats here. It added that according to the diplomatic notes received by Washington's embassy in Beijing, the new restrictions in the SAR apply only to its consul general here, Hanscom Smith, but not to other American diplomats. The new curbs come days after Washington announced new restrictions on staff working for Beijing's foreign missions, such as a requirement to seek approval for university visits or meetings with local officials.
0: U.S. President Donald Trump has again sought to downplay the seriousness of COVID-19 hours after being released from hospital with the disease. On his first full day back at the White House, Mr. Trump wrongly claimed that the illness was, in most places, less deadly than the flu. He said people would have to learn to live with the coronavirus. Here's the BBC's Gary O'Donoghue. America has seen more than 200,000 people lose their life to this virus since
6: March. So that sort of thing, I think, for his critics will just demonstrate again that his sort of tone-deaf nature from their point of view. And for his supporters, of course, they will see that as strength. As a man trying to lead, in the nature of this country that is so polarised, people see very different things when this president says anything and does anything.
0: Australia's National Science Agency has given the first ever global estimate for microplastics on the seafloor. The authors of the study said their research showed the ubiquity of plastics. The BBC's Phil Mercer in Sydney has the details.
6: Researchers have said the seabed has become a sink for microplastics. They've used a robotic submarine to gather samples in depths to 3,000 metres at various sites far from the coast of South Australia. They've estimated that more than 14 million tonnes of microplastic are littering the world's ocean floors. Those bottles, textiles and other items that wash into the sea eventually break down into tiny particles. The full impact on the environment and marine life is unknown, as are the consequences for human health.
0: This year's Nobel Prize for Physics has been awarded to three academics for their work on black holes. The prize was shared between Roger Penrose from Britain, the American Andrea Goetz, and her German colleague Reinhard Genzel. The committee in Stockholm praised their insights into what it called the darkest secrets of the universe. Sport now and Argentina's, Argentina's Nadia Podoroska has become the first qualifier in the Open era to reach the women's semi-finals at the French Open after stunning third seed Elena Svitlana, Svitolina 6-2-6-4. ranked number 131 in the world, had never won a Grand Slam main draw match before the tournament and is only the third female qualifier to make the last four of a major. The 23-year-old will play Polish teenager Iga Swiatek or Italy's Martina Trevisan, as she attempts to become the first women's qualifier in history to advance to the final of a major. And the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros provided early fireworks in baseball's American League Division Series. Giancarlo Stanton's ninth inning Grand Slam gave the Yankees an emphatic 9-3 victory over Tampa Bay, while Houston took game one of their series against the Oakland A's after Carlos Correa cracked two home runs in a 10-5 win. A reminder of our top stories tonight, The government defends its move to strike off a primary school teacher, saying he had twisted the minds of pupils with pro-independence materials. And the health chief warns of a possible surge in Covid cases as more mystery infections are uncovered. The news from RTHK.
7: RTHK,
0: It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. The government has defended its unprecedented move to deregister a primary school teacher, saying he had imposed his own ideas about Hong Kong independence on pupils. The Education Bureau said the teacher had seriously harmed pupils at a Kowloon Tong school by using what it described as twisted materials that involved independence movements not just in the SAR, but in Taiwan, Xinjiang and Tibet. Anna-Marie Evans asked the education sector lawmaker at Kim Yuen what he made of the government's conclusion.
1: It's totally unfair to the teacher. And I think the accusation of the government is too harsh and it's too far from the reality. It says the teacher deliberately tried to impart the ideas of Hong Kong independence to the students. We don't think that is true uh we we do think that you know uh, this, the teacher you know the teacher is aiming at creating teaching package on freedom of speech uh, and the teacher is making use of one of the uh, social incidents to be uh, the example to uh, elaborate on to or to demonstrate the idea of freedom of speech so I don't think that that is a fair judgment on the teacher.
4: Was due process observed in this case? The Bureau said the teacher was given ample time to make representations.
1: I think about teacher uh, has some time to prepare for his representation. But the biggest problem is that the government does not really consider what the teacher has said in their representation. So what the government did was to, you know, just use one sentence to say that, you no, know, uh, after considering what you have said, we conclude that, you no, know, the, and they repeat the same conclusion as before. So there is nothing. You no, know, the government uh, has put into consideration. So I don't think that, you know, just allowing teacher to write something is adequate. The most important is that the government should respond to what the teacher has written. And that should be very specific. So I don't think that the government is doing the right thing.
4: When did the probe against the teacher take place? I mean, presumably it was well before the national security law was introduced.
1: The investigation of the teacher I think is during uh, last September, Uh, I mean uh, last year and the actual teaching was carried out um, in March so that is half a year after the actual teaching.
4: Now your union said this case, you felt that this case was some kind of threat towards the school and its management so what's your union going to do about this then?
1: We will uh, appeal to the government, and if if necessary, we will go for uh, judicial review."
0: The U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has met his counterparts from Australia, India and Japan in Tokyo to discuss how to counter Beijing. The Quad meeting comes as all four countries seek to form a front against an increasingly assertive China. Bilateral ties between the U.S. and China have, in recent months, plummeted to their lowest point in decades. This has led Washington to move to boost cooperation with regional allies. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Tokyo correspondent, Julian Ryle, why the meeting was being held now. These four countries are very
6: committed to what they call the, uh, the free and open access of the Indo-Pacific region. All four of the members of the Quad are uh, absolutely behind the idea that was put forward by the Japanese originally um, to make sure that there is free access all throughout the region. And it's obviously something that is aimed quite neatly at China. You
4: say the Indo-Pacific. Also, what are the other issues like cyber security? What else?
6: A lot of this is going to be optics. Um, All the countries want to come together um, and show that they are putting forward a, a united face. All four countries, this is India, this is Australia, Japan and the US. And they want to show that they are singing from the same hymn sheet, if you like. And it's all aimed at making sure that they have the open and free access that they're talking about. The other issues that uh, Mr. Pompeo has mentioned since he's been here um, is the United States' commitment to the Olympic Games going ahead. All sides have also been talking about the pandemic. Obviously, that's been very, very high on the agenda Um, and uh, the commitment of all four countries to come up with uh, measures to ameliorate the problem in the the first place and obviously find cures down the line. Um, But again, this is more about the optics. This is a case of the four uh, leaders getting together um, and singing from the same hymn sheet.
4: And what do you think that China's perspective will be on this?
6: They're going to be watching very, very closely. Um, I think it's quite hard for them to be um, outspokenly against it initially. Although there will be a, you know, a degree of concern in Beijing. Um, I doubt very much that the Chinese authorities will enjoy the sense that they're being hemmed in. But at the same time, you know, it is perceived very much as if uh, uh, China and Beijing are being um, quite aggressive in the region, um, both in terms of the economic might that they're throwing around and also the military might in the South China Sea. And Japan has concerns over the. Uh, disputed island in the East China Sea. So this is perhaps a natural pushback against that.
4: In terms of the partnerships, are all of the three other countries, so Australia, Japan and India, closer to the US than they are to China?
6: They are, and and becoming more so, I believe. um, There is a a major um, diplomatic dispute brewing between China and Australia. Japan has a new prime minister, but at the same time, he is continuing many of the the policies of his predecessor, uh, Mr Abe. Um, So there is concern about uh, China's ambitions on, on Japanese, territory um, and the indians also they are having territorial issues with china on their northern border and um, so clearly these countries they have a lot in common and a lot of reasons uh, to be working very closely together on economic and security issues in the region
0: back in february nature magazine one of the world's foremost scientific journals published an article headlined when will the amazon hit a tipping point Today, a study published by the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands suggests the point when the region flips from rainforest to savannah may be much closer than we previously thought. Professor Stefan Decker is the report's co-author.
8: Rainforests are very sensitive to all kinds of changes in the rainfall. If this rainfall drops below certain thresholds, then we can see these tipping points. So then the tipping point from a forested state to a savanna state. And indeed, these risks are already reported for, well, 20 years or so. But what we found is that these risks are much larger than earlier uh, thought. And the reason for that is there's a kind of vicious cycle in there. So a tree transpires water, this water vapor is transported to the atmosphere and then can rain out again, a little bit downwind and what we found out that uh, for the continent of the amazon a drop which is first evaporated by the ocean is raining out and that can continue in the cascading effect up to seven times if we do these calculations with our models then we see that 40 percent of the rain of, of the amazon which is currently at risk if you have your deforestation somewhere in the middle of the Amazon, then it stops this cascading effect so this recycling of the uh, of the water and uh, then it can have uh, major impacts further away in the forest itself. And uh, well maybe worrying is that we already see uh, just for the climate projections that well today there is already a drying trend. And this drying trend will continue till 2100 following the climate projections. So based on that, we even see a much larger effect of this, these areas which become unstable. which can become potentially savanna systems.
0: One of the nastier effects of the coronavirus is that for those who survive, the long-term effects can still be debilitating. It's called long COVID, when symptoms seem to drag on and on. A new study suggests that it's far more prevalent than had perhaps been thought. Michael Rutgers is director of the Lung Foundation charity in the Netherlands.
9: We are following a group of uh, post-COVID or long COVID patients, whatever you call them. And we've been doing that since May this year we looked for these people and we found them on two facebook groups uh, one in uh, belgium and one in the netherlands and these people all have or think they have post-covid symptoms and we uh, asked them what exactly was wrong with them and we did that in end of may begin of june and we did that again uh, early september to find out how they were after six months 97 percent of the people in our group of thousand and five has not been hospitalized. And within this group, we found that after six months, they still have symptoms like fatigue, 86%, or shortness of breath, 59%, or muscle pains, 40%, or headache, 35%. So within this group, the symptoms are still quite severe. And many of these people don't function on the level they functioned before. And the interesting thing is that this group as I said, is not hospitalised, that the average age of this group is 48, that only 1% of this group says he or she had overweight. And before COVID, I believe 65% was pure healthy, nothing wrong. Even people are running the marathons, people fully active in normal life.
0: Many flight attendants in Hong Kong have been exploring their career options as airlines around the world consider major cutbacks in an industry crippled by the coronavirus pandemic. Hong Kong's flagship carrier Cathay is eyeing a major restructuring and with their careers on the line, some cabin crew are choosing to step away on their own terms and are branching out to find new opportunities. Our reporter, Wang Ting, spoke to some of them.
2: For many flight attendants, flying isn't just a job, it's a passion. But the COVID pandemic is now threatening not just their careers, but their dreams as well. We have
6: many important cases. The pandemic started. The airline has had two rounds of unpaid leave of three weeks.
2: Marco, Carmen and James are just three of the thousands of flight attendants in Hong Kong struggling to figure out exactly what to do. Two of them have quit and the other is close to giving up. Carmen loves flying and not just as a flight attendant. I have flown in Sydney tried try to operate on small aircraft. But with virtually all flights grounded for months, Carmen knew the writing was on the wall and took the tough decision to quit. Marco was caught in the same bind.
9: Today is my last
2: day. He's been flying for three and a half years and never had any intention to leave. But with the number of flights and his income dwindling, he had no choice.
0: At the beginning of the pandemic, I
6: thought it would last maybe three months or six months at most. But it's been more than a half a
0: year already.
1: There are no signs of a
0: turnaround or that the sector can go back to normal. I have no other option
5: but to leave.
2: Carmen and Marco both decided to quit before their employers made any major layoffs to avoid having to compete for jobs with lots of former colleagues. And while the pandemic robbed her of her first career, it might have also put her on the path to a new one. Having a lot of free time as all her flights were grounded had allowed her to take care of her ailing grandpa during his final days. Now she's enrolled in a three-year nursing program. F.A. is taking care of people who are very happy during travelling, but maybe the one, the patient in the hospital nursing that taken care of will be the one that they really need much more care for them. Carmen isn't the only one to try to turn crisis into opportunity. James is still working as a flight attendant, but he's found a second job as a security guard, runs an online accessory shop, and he still finds time to acquire more professional qualifications.
3: So right now it's 10.30pm at night, and I'm still reviewing for the insurance examinations, because tomorrow I'm going to have another exam, because previously I have failed, and then I'm still studying for that.
2: Branching out was also a useful exercise for Marco who discovered a surprising affinity to floristry when he took a course during the COVID crisis. Now he's a qualified florist and has just launched an online business.
9: If it wasn't for the pandemic, I may not have had the time or the persistence to learn this new craft.
2: Marco and Carmen are both pretty sure they won't be relaunching their careers as Kevin Crew even if the industry goes back to normal. It would be too much work to start all the way from the bottom again. But James still hasn't given up yet. He's betting that one day soon, he'll get to take to the skies again with his fellow
3: colleagues. Thank you for this never-give-up spirit. We can do it.
0: Those stories were part of the NewsRup programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening.
4: Due to the volatile COVID-19 situation, the public should stay at home and avoid going out, in particular elderly persons, as they have higher risk of severe illness. Family and friends should help them with shopping and other daily needs. If elderly persons must go out, they need to wear a mask and wash hands frequently pay attention to the latest situation. See a doctor promptly if feeling unwell, even if the symptoms are mild. Let's fight the virus together.
7: Live across Hong Kong. This
5: is Radio 3.
7: January to December. We'll have moments to read.
0: It's that time again for our kind of music, nostalgia. This is Liberace at the piano. That was of course the popular green sleeves with Liberace.